coming up next on the Webfly Swing podcast. It was just over a week ago now that we went to Buckingham Palace uh, for a reception with Prince Charles and, and Princess Anne in celebration of, of our award. And in a few weeks' time, we will receive our charter and our actual prize, which will be brought to us at, at our premises. And it is something that we are hugely proud of and uh, very, very, very excited. And indeed, Prince Charles is a fly angler. That was Anne Kitchener describing what it was like receiving the most powerful award for business in the UK. Fly tying, dirty bug yarn, and Prince Charles today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show. We've still got a top fly challenge going. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash topfly, enter your top fly, and get a chance to win some free flies, a big fly box, and a bunch of swag. That's wetflyswing.com slash topfly. Today's episode is presented by Jackson Hole Fly Company, a new kind of online fly shop. They design and manufacture their own high-quality fly rods, reels, gear, and over a thousand fly patterns. You can get 25% off your first order right now. Head over to jhflyco.com slash swing to get started right now. That's jhflyco.com slash swing. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Jackson. Today's episode is presented by Stonefly Nets, putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets. When Ethan designs your net, it's his hope and goal that you form lasting memories for years to come. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash stonefly right now to get started. That's S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y to get started right now. Anne and Andy Kitchener are here to share the behind the scenes of Semperfly. We find out how NanoSilk came to be, how they create their unique products at Semperfly, and what it feels like to win the most prestigious award for business. And we also get a little glimpse on what it was like to meet uh, Prince Charles in person, a, uh, a fly fisherman. And you might even get a little glimpse of my strategy to get the prince on this podcast. So without further ado, here they are, Anne and Andy Kitchener from Semperfly.net. How's it going, you guys? Hi there. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting us. We're delighted. Busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah, this is good. We're going to dig into some of the busy. I, I can't remember, you know, when we first heard about you on the show. Um, it may have been we've got a couple of good friends on the podcast, and I think they're on your ambassador team. So uh, that's probably where it first started. But you guys are popping around out there quite a bit with what you have going, your fly time materials, the nano silk and some of the other stuff. We're, we're going to dig into that. But before we get into um, all these like uh, materials you have, talk about how you first got going in, in fly fishing and maybe... Maybe Andy, um, you can start us off, and I'm not sure, Anne, if you, if you do as much fishing as Andy, but talk about how you first got into the fishing game. I don't get as much time to go fishing as he does. I'm the busy one. All right. Joking, You're doing all the work. Joking. I'm just joking, honestly. <laughs> uh, basically, I used to work for a living. I used to be into IT. I uh, used to travel the world, and wherever I went, I would always go fishing. It didn't matter whether it was Australia, US, Canada, Norway. Um and Anna and myself semi-retired about 14 years ago, thinking, we'll just take it easy. And um, we started getting into looking at flies and fly fishing. 
And um, we very quickly realized that a lot of the materials out in the market were just from haberdashery shops. Um, some of the threads I had problems with, they weren't easy to split. And we just basically uh, got, got into the, the tying materials about 14 years ago and just go fishing whenever, whenever possible, wherever possible. <laughs> nice. So Stempify was born out of that, wasn't it, really? Yeah. And uh, started out quite humbly and is, and is now a major player in the time market. Yeah. And are you two, so now you're the, describe on the founder, are you the two founders of the company? Yes, yeah. we are. We've been there right from the day one. Um, we're, still, we're still at the helm, but there's a lot more people in the company now, an awful lot. I think we're feeding... Or people that support Semperfly are feeding in excess of about 35 families. Uh-huh. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, in fact, we're on a recruitment drive at the moment. So that number is going up every day. Yeah. And what do you, when you get into, um, so in 14 years, when you look back over that period of time, you know, how long did it take you until you felt like you really was, things were really moving and you were, you know, you've got this worldwide um, reach. How long did that take? Well, we we spent four years prototyping all the materials and basically looking at it in the the UK market. And that's when Anne said, look, there's a major opportunity here. Um, So we started off, we got the materials together and um, it grew from very humble. uh, And we were growing 44% a year up until about three, four years ago. And then we launched our classic wax thread. And it's fair to say that really, uh, really rolled out in the market. And um, then the unfortunate COVID uh, situation did nothing but help us, to be honest. A lot of companies seem to have struggled. They hadn't had their supply chain for raw materials set up. And we were lucky. Having been in IT and businesses previously, we really geared ourselves up for the opportunities and um uh, during covid we were very lucky we we were frightened at first like everyone but it um exploded and um the growth of 44% was just dwarfed over the last few years i mean now we do 97% exports all around the world i don't know how many countries we go to now 50 56 different countries i think around the world 56 that's really cool yeah that's so that's all. I'm always interested. We have about uh, on listeners on this. We've got about 83 countries, and you know, there's some obviously lesser, but I'm sure there's a quite a bit of overlap there. On, um, but you know, for us, it's like a big chunk, right? It's like uh, you know, 90 percent is U.S. based uh, from mm. our listeners, but we do have UK is a good chunk as well, and and so um, I'm sure we're we're talking to some of those folks now. But talk about these uh, some of the products because I think you know when you look at your line, I mean, what was the first product that really you you feel put you oh, on the map. that's good old good old nano silk and uh, that's what people often know us for which is our super strong gsp the virtually unbreakable thread um and say lots of people that's what they know us for but we have a huge catalog and if anybody wants to jump online we have a fantastic interactive flipbook catalog which has over 400 fly patterns in it from our wonderful gorgeous pro team um and that's at semperfly.us forward slash catalog and there's videos in there there's fly patterns in there there's all sorts but also our full array of materials but 
we started out really with nano silk, then we moved into the struggle. struggle. Yeah, the chenilles, the fritzes. And it gradually moved, as Andy's already mentioned, our wax threads. I think that was 2019. Mm. And they really took off. But we have an extensive array of wires. So all your staples uh, that you expect. But then we have some really unusual stuff, some different stuff, like a cheeky UV, like um, a synthetic rabbit zonka, a whole host of different materials. Yeah. And I want to dig into some of those, you know, the synthetics and how they replaced, you know, maybe instead of getting the rabbit or the, you know, the peacock, yeah. things like that. But um, so back to the nano silk, what was, because that is a kind of a game changer and there's probably others that are doing something close now, but because I, you know, back in the day, it was always like, you know, <laughs> you're using thick stuff, right? But now you're talking, right. you know, 18 knot, right? Is pretty, you can get some strong. Oh, no, no, no. We go thinner than that. We go to 24 zero. So that's really fine. Yeah. Basically, um, I started looking at the threads market. And back then, there uh, was Roman Moser had um, uh-huh. a, a just fun, but it was very difficult to get hold of. And I basically started doing research and um, getting to understand how GSP was made. And it's like spaghetti. You can get really cheap flour and produce cheap spaghetti. Or you can use real good quality ingredients and get a better quality product. And so what I did was used a, a very special form of plastic. And that plastic, uh, when extruded and made into nano silk, basically is stronger per dernier than any other GSP on the market. And that was the real game changer, getting a product that, um, uh, if you look at um, Global Fly Fisher, um, mm-hmm lightine table you'll see uh, for the breaking strain for nano silk is stronger for the same dernier than anything else on the market and then you factor into that that we do a whole host of different colors we don't just do black and white um and when it comes to black and white though we do put 100 meters on a standard spool so we like to think we give really good value for money as well um and then if you're a really busy tire, we do bulk spools. So you can get 500 metres, 250 metres on a spool, depending on the, the denier that you're going for. But, uh, yeah, there's a few differentiators that, that we like to think we have when it comes to the, uh, the very adorable nano silk. But it doesn't matter what you're tying. It could be a big predator fly, a big salty fly. And, you know, we've got a 3-0 um, you know, we use it for uh, towing cars. It's that strong. <laughs> really, yeah. Uh, incredibly strong. But then when you're down tying the real micro flies in, uh, you know, size 24, down to size 30, we've got, um, you know, nano in a, a 24. So it really is a, a, an ultra fine, but still really strong thread yeah. that won't, won't snap. And it was always one of my frustrations that, you know, I'd be tying a fly and uh, twang, thread goes. And that was the reason that, you know, we, we, we really went into nano silk in the first place. We wanted quality all the way because it doesn't matter whether you're a beginner who's looking for confidence in your tying or whether you're a commercial tire. Everybody deserves to have the very best threads and have confidence in, in their materials because nobody wants to have worked and be proud of a fly only to get to that very important stage and have the thread snap. 
so that's the worst yeah so it doesn't matter whether you're a beginner or the most talented experienced tire you all deserve the very best yeah that's it. No, it's good. So, and you mentioned the Global Fly Fisher. That's uh, globalflyfisher.com. I think Martin's uh, website over there. Yeah. 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 Martin Jorgensen. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I'll put a link. We had a him on the uh, podcast quite a couple of years, a few years ago. Uh-huh. That's so, great. Lovely guy. Yeah. Martin's great. He's got a real amazing story with everything he's been going. I haven't caught up with him lately, but um, yeah, pretty amazing story there. So, okay. So we got, we got a little bit there on the global and we got the, the nano. What, what's, you know, what are your other things? Let's talk about some synthetics. If we say, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Zonkers, Peacock, what are some mm-hmm. of the synthetic alternatives you have for instead of the natural? What would be the, the natural and what's the synthetics you guys are that are good sellers for you? Jungle cock. I mean, we oh, came yeah. up with artificial jungle cock. Nice. Um, you know, if you look at jungle cock, if you get caught with it in most countries, it's a significant fine. Um and, you know, that was the reasons for developing that. If you just look at one of our oldest products, Straggle String, you know, one of the colors, the black and the, uh, the peacock, designed to be peacock substitutes. And in, indeed, when we first went and met Hans Van Klinken, we met him one evening and we, were to, we had spent the day with him. And one of the throwaway comments at the end of the, the, the meeting was, um, uh, of course, Peacock is um, CITES protected. And uh, Hans was a little bit shocked because he goes, uh, you know, uses a lot of Peacock in the clink hammer, etc. There's a lot of traveling. And um, it can't be, you know, there's Peacocks just down the road from me. <laughs> but. The real peacock is CITES protected because the natural peacock in uh, Pakistan is, you know, um, dying out. So we developed it so that it could be a replacement for a peacock girl. And um, when Hans realized, did the research and saw it was CITES registered, the next morning at seven in the morning, he phoned us and said, uh, I don't believe it. You're right. You know, uh, <laughs> And I've redesigned the clink hammer, and we're using straggle string as the thorax. There you go. So it's all about, you know, um, looking at alternatives or improving, coming out with new products that are totally innovative. Yeah. Making them accessible to everybody as well. That's right. So you got a few there we, we talked about. And what's the rabbit uh, one called, alternative? Oh, I love this. This is a favorite of mine. Um, it's a synthetic rabbit. We nickname it wabbit um uh-huh. and obviously it says what it does on the tin it is an alternative to natural rabbit zonkers and the nice thing about it is when you use it it acts beautifully like a natural rabbit in the water it moves amazingly well mm. however if you just shake it off after you've um you've yep. fished with it it will dispel the water straight away it doesn't collapse down either. I should have said that when it's in the water, like the weight of a natural rabbit might. Right. So uh, it will dispel the water and you're good to go again. And actually in our catalogue that I mentioned earlier, there is a fantastic video by Roy Ole Jakobsen, who's one of our Norwegian protein, where you can actually see this material on a fly in a water tank. So you can actually get to see its movement and just how beautiful it is. So it acts and behaves like real rabbit, but you have all the convenience for synthetic that you're good to go with again and again and again. There you go. 
So, so that's another benefit on the, uh, and how do you spell the, the wabbit wabbit? Yeah. Like that cartoon that used to oh, go yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, the, right, right. Yeah. So W A B B I T. That's a bit of a nickname for it, but synthetic rabbit, um, it's also shown as. All right. Perfect. And, and what are the, what's the synthetic uh, rabbit? What is it made out of? That's a, um, nylon. Oh, nylon. Nylon and polyester. Oh, and polyester. Yeah. We, we use a lot of nylon and polyester materials where, um, basically we, um, can abuse the materials, use them to basically generate new products. I think the important thing that we need to say about our materials is they are specially designed for fly tying. Andy mentioned at the beginning that our initial research was all about, you know, haberdashery shops, etc. When when we launch material, Andy and his team, and also a, a good bunch of our pro team as well, do support us in this activity, do a huge amount of research and development. Uh, and these are designed especially for fly tying. They're not just a rehack of something from somewhere else. Right, right. They're not some other thing taken from whatever, uh, like the, the carpet fly or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, if you look at um, the classic wax, it's probably one of the uh, great examples. We It took us two years to develop. We looked at the traditional threads in the market, put them under a thousand times magnification microscope just to see how they were constructed. And, for example, one of the market-leading threads was a single-twisted thread, very tightly uh, bound, and it made it a nightmare for splitting. So the design criteria for classic wax was it must split easily. So, in fact, what we did, we designed a thread that uh, was too core. So obviously it could split very, very easily. Uh, we needed something that um, we could then make very easy to tie and hold materials on the hook. So what we did, we actually used uh, the different threads on the market, wound them onto a hook, and then put with some materials in, unwound them to see the point at which the grip was lost mm. on the thread. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we found that um, one of the big traditional thread manufacturers, uh, their materials held with four turns. So part of our design criteria, and we worked with Paul Proctor and Hans Van Klinken, was we had to have the right amount of wax on so it would hold with three turns. Um, you know, so it, it had to hold better. It had to split easier. Um, and then it had to be a range, in a range of um, worldwide materials because, obviously, in the, in the States, you've got a lot of three zero, six zero, eight yep. zero. In Europe, we've got the uh, the 12s, the uh, right. eight, 18s. So we got... Why is that? Why is that the difference there? Um you guys have got big fish we've got minnows <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> we if you look at europe there's a you know whether you're in slovenia um whether you're um you know in italy a lot of the flies can be quite small um you know a, a lot of the fly patterns if you look at our chronomids you know, a oh, typical yeah. chronomid, you're talking size 14. Right. You, you right. go and look at those in Canada or, you know, where you are, you're talking a lot, lot big. bigger flies. Um, so the different threads have obviously different advantages. 
um, not just in size, but in uh, you know capabilities. A thread is only there to hold materials. You don't want it actually building up too much on the hook. Yeah. And what is on the, um, so for somebody that doesn't know much about the splitting the thread, why would you split the thread in flight tying? Uh, for dubbing, using it for putting in dubbing loops. It's all right just, um, you know, uh, using the wax and uh, wrapping dubbing around. But for example, uh, if you look at our Kapok, which is, you know, such a fine material, we're talking half the diameter of the finest super fine material on the market. You really need to be able to grip it very, very quickly and easily. And although it, you can just uh, wrap it around like traditional dubbing, splitting a thread and putting a dubbing loop together is so much more efficient. Yeah. And what was the name of that that material? That was a dubbing. Uh, Kapok. It's. Um, How do you spell that? K A P O K. Oh, P O K. Uh, yeah, Kapok. Yeah, it's uh, traditionally Kapok was used in um, life life jackets and okay. life rafts in World War Two. It will support thirty times its own weight in water. Oh wow! It's actually a natural material, and if you can imagine, it's conical in shape, so there's an air gap in the middle of it, but it's really, really fine. The problem with it for fly tying is it's very waxy. Um, and it took us 18 months working out how to dye it in commercial volumes and to a repeatable quality. So, you know, again, it was another product that took a long time to develop. Um, but when, when you've got a dry fly and you want it floating, you know, we, we got Kapok. And, you know, I always test materials for quite a while before we, we bring them out. The first thing I did was throw it on the jar on my windowsill. And it just sat there for a couple of months and not absorbing water. You know, what better for a dry fly? You know, um, untreated, it just, you know, uh, uh, was better than a cork. Mm. So K-Pog, and then that would be a substitute for just any sort of dubbing, natural dubbing or whatever. Yeah, really fine, you know, um, in a range of beautiful colors. But if you're trying to float a fly, you know, there is no finer material. It's actually now up there as one of our top-selling materials. Oh, it is. Yeah, oh, it really is. It has, and um, people seem to love the dispensers that we do. They're really modern, slimline dis dispensers in different colour families. But for people that just want to try it out, there there are individual colour packets as well. But uh, we can't make this quick enough at the minute. There you go. So that's so K-Pog's good. And then what about um, another one I had here? Maybe this is a similar deal, but the uh, Dirty Bug Yarn. Yeah, well, Dirty Bug Yarn was um, a product we developed about three, four years ago. And um, I was working with our Norwegian team, and we were just chatting on um, Zoom one evening. And we were chatting about different uh, um, uh, dubbings. And there are a lot of tyres out there that, um, you know, want a tyre fly, want to get a fly together very quickly and have it look good, um, but maybe aren't the, the best tires in the world. Mm -hmm. They want to quite fly, get out fishing, and enjoy it. Yeah, that's me pretty much, exactly. <laughs> well, you look at any fly under a microscope, and it's not monocolor. It's multiple colors. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, they often, uh, if, you, if you look at 
um, a fly to get that buggy profile. Yeah. You need fibers sticking out. So basically, I work with our Norwegian team, and they actually called it dirty bug yarn. There you go. The name stuck. And the name stuck, yeah. <laughs> Some of the team didn't like it being called a dirty product, but, All right. you know, it. it, it we, we like it. Oh, we it's liked it. Uh, yeah. It, it, if you look at it, it's multiple colors, but wrapped, it's so simple to wrap around the thread. You don't need to uh, understand how to dub. You just tie it on, wrap it around the hook, you know, uh, and you're away. It comes on a spool. Yeah, and yeah it's it buggy. It comes on a spool, so it's dead easy to use. Yeah, you get instant effect. It's gorgeous. And the color range is exquisite. Yeah, it's got some greens and reds and whites and browns. Yeah. The Caddis Amber is my personal favorite. Yeah. All right. There's a range yeah. of Caddis. Oh, there's a range. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's all sorts. All sorts of stuff. This is great. So you got a bunch of different. Uh, so the Dirty Bug Yarn is a good one. So we had kind of a question here from the group, and this is maybe somebody getting started, but, you know, when somebody comes in and they're like, what materials do I need to get started with in a fly tying? What do you, do you kind of have all the basic stuff to get somebody going or, or what's that look like? What would you tell them if they asked you that? You need, to my mind, you need a chicken, usually <laughs> black. Yeah. Um, and that's the, you know, uh, your, your fundamental natural, usually, you know, a, a, a black, piece of black chicken in different sizes and then, obviously, your thread, you need yeah. something to make the body, which could be as simple as a dirty bug yarn, or if you're doing a sophisticated dry fly, then, you know, something like K-Poc. Um, some and some wires mm. or uh, um, something, for example, microglint, if you were doing a um, uh, uh, shuck, you know, you want a, a trailing shuck, then yeah. simply get, you know... Um, something like micro glint pearl, four or five loops on the back, and you very quickly have got a, a trailing shuck. Yeah. Do you do uh, do you do like beads and other metal things like that? Not at the moment. Um, it's something we do keep looking at. And the thing is, there's uh, some good bead suppliers. There are some very good tool uh, suppliers, hook suppliers. So we've very much established ourselves in the niche of the synthetic materials. And what we try to do is work with people um, rather than tread on toes. You know, we've, we've established a nice and very strong niche, uh, which is growing so rapidly it's untrue. What's that niche? So the synthetic uh, materials niche? Yeah, it's the, uh, very much the synthetic materials you know, for me, it's about reproduction. I want the same quality every time. And it doesn't matter whether someone wants one, 1,000 or 100,000 spools. I can reproduce it and, uh, and uh, be confident that number one is going to be the same as number uh, 100,000. Of course, with natural materials, you just can't do that. Quick word from our sponsor. Lake Lady Rods builds distinctive custom rods, each created one at a time to the exact specifications for you. Custom built to be the most sensitive tool an angler could ask for, Lake Lady only uses top-of-the-line, world-class components. I can definitely attest to the unique quality of this fine-tuned rod. Chris built me a 9-foot 4-weight. I've been using it uh, on the lakes and streams, and it casts like a dream. It's got all sorts of nice features, little little unique uh, unique things you don't see on pretty much any other rod, uh, jungle cock inlays, 
uh, you know, custom handle. It just looks sweet. So if you want to check out what Chris has going, you can get over to wetflyswing.com slash lake lady right now. Lake lady also restores and builds custom bamboo rods from scratch. Chris has it going. You got to check out him right now. Lake lady. That's L A K E L A D Y. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Lake lady. Okay. Back to the show. I think that's uh now that I remember it, I think it was Tim Camisa uh, was was on a while back, and I think he mentioned that he said that he loves you know that's a big part of the synthetics, yeah, having the same pattern, the same exact pattern every time you can tie it. Um, what are some of the like you know you mentioned hackle right? So hackle is probably one that's kind of hard to create a synthetic. What are some of the things materials out there that you guys you know look like? Maybe it's really hard to create synthetics for. Um, hackle is the uh, only really, really uh, difficult thing. And, uh, you know, it's Hackle, CDC, you know, you look at the um, uh, fibers of a CDC. I mean, nature is incredible. Uh, and you understand why CDC flow, flies float so well. Um, we are looking at pseudo hackles, you know, and um, looking at, you know, how we um uh, can start replacing the um feather but where you're dealing with a chicken actually there aren't going to be logistical supply issues generally you know uh there's reasonable volumes there you've got some superb manufacturers you know growing and producing chicken um and the quality is really really good the only issue is the the supply volume you know, if we have the hairdressers coming out with uh, grizzle hackles again. Mm. You know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> they take precedent. The flight tie seems like with the big industry, right? It doesn't have quite yeah. as much power sway getting the materials. Yeah. But the big, the biggest issue, you know, worldwide now for the industry is um, supply, customs, and CITES. Oh, right. We're... Being in the trade, you get to see and hear some of the horror stories of, you know, uh, uh, a whole load of uh, beautiful, you know, uh, one of the top manufacturers in the world. Their capes arrived in uh, the UK for someone we know, and there was a new um, vet at uh, Heathrow, and the vet said, "I need these treated to 100 degrees, um, or I can't pass them, which mm. would just destroy all the feathers." Yeah. Um, you know, and you hear horror stories like that, uh, you know, it, it's a nightmare and you, you hear the horror stories of fishermen going out to different countries, not realizing that, you know, the jungle cock in there flies or the peacock is sighted registered. And before you know it, they've, uh, they've been arrested for wow. the same, well, it's the same crime technically as going with an elephant tusk. Really? So people literally have come into whatever. I, yeah. I actually know of fishermen that have CITES uh, infringements. And it is the same. Uh, you know, if you're breaking the, the CITES laws, you're breaking CITES, whether it's a piece of peacock on a feather or whether it's an elephant tusk. Now, for a fly tire, the big issue is that y you have to be able to prove the origins. So, for example, if you've got a piece of jungle cock 
Um, where you buy it from uh, a breeder and you can prove that, you know, it's, it's someone in the U.S. that's bred this jungle cock, that is fine. As soon as you take a single feather off that bird, you have a problem because you cannot prove that that feather came from that bird when it's on the hook, unless you sit there and you pay a vet to do DNA to prove <laughs> And that's where, you know, it, it all falls down. And I don't think people are really aware of some of the ramifications it's of a, what they do. For the travelling angler, it's a very serious matter. Wow. And is the UK one of those countries where, in CITES, that's like the endangered species sort of thing? Yes. Yeah, no, it's worldwide. It's worldwide. Worldwide. Oh, right, that's worldwide. Okay, so basically yeah. that's a worldwide. Yeah, CITES yeah. is the red list of endangered species. Around the world, right. So right. if... if uh, in theory, an American angler going out to Canada, uh, passing a border, passing uh, you know uh, through customs, and has their gear and flies examined, they could be in breach of uh, CITES laws. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a god. The border crossings we have. What I, I I just went across the border. Um, this is kind of a funny story, but from the U.S. over to Canada. And uh, and I forgot I had a a BB a BB gun under my seat. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> like the BB is for my kids, right? But I totally forgot it was yep. there. And, oh man, it just became this whole hassle because, you know what I mean? Going into Canada, they're much stricter on gun laws, which is actually a good thing. And and it just became this whole hassle. So they ended up taking and destroying my gun. And but I can imagine, right? I mean, that's the sort of stuff crossing borders. You get caught with a little feather, and they're looking for that stuff, right? They are now. Um, they're aware of it. I, I'm aware of one very prominent fisherman who went on an international trip and had all their flies confiscated because they had peacock in them. I'm aware of, say, another tire that had got um, uh, jungle cock and, uh, you know, the, they actually just got fined. You know, and it's different in each country. I mean, yeah. it's a stress none of us want when we're traveling as well as the protecting our our natural world as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, we exactly. have enough enough trouble traveling nowadays. I know, I know, that's it. That, well, that's an interesting topic because, yeah, it's obviously important in having those things in place, but it makes it a little challenging. So we got a few uh, non-synthetic, really it's hackle, that's the one. That, so you feel like everything else out there, uh, do you look at that saying like over the next 10 years, whatever, you guys are going to start to add things to your, and how do you choose what you're going to be adding? I basically look at um, what people are using to tie on their flies. I look at where the volumes are in the market. Um, obviously, we, we don't want to do something if it's um, only going to sell in ones and twos. Uh, you know, if I can't produce 10,000 of something in a year, then, you know, I'm uh, frankly not interested. Um, you know, it has to be good volumes. And... Um, it has to be, uh, you know, uh, something that we can add some differentiator to. Mm-hmm. But Andy is uh, lovingly known in the business as the nutty professor. Oh, Roy. Yeah. So he's the one doing all his research, his, all his experiments and his microscopes, checking stuff out, always researching. He doesn't sleep very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he's always bringing stuff out, he usually brings new stuff out each year. Okay, so each year and and you roll out some new stuff. And do do you find yeah. that sometimes you roll out something new and and maybe it doesn't uh, sell as well, and you end up maybe you know not keeping that going, or how's that look? 
We've had a, probably about four products out of, uh, well, I don't know how many SKUs I've got now, um, that we haven't continued with. Um, but generally what happens, the way we develop products is a lot of companies just come out with a material and release it and um, see where the market takes it. Mm-hmm. With Semperfly, we have a very, very different relationship with our protein to other companies. So I will work with a small sub-team. So, you know, I, for example, with um, Jungle Cock, worked with Tom Hare in the States. I worked with um, guys in Norway, the UK, um, Hans Van Klinken, yeah, in Sweden. Um, So I got a small sub-team of maybe 10 people together to prototype, to look at the product, and if it gets past that stage and they think it's right, I mean, Tom Hare was getting some nice hookups with uh, King Salmon, sending us photos, telling us how resilient it was before uh, we, we, we then took it to the next stage. And the next stage for us is actually taking it out to, uh, we've got over 80 strong protein. Hmm. And every year we have an event called Fly Jam, and it's Christmas for the protein, where we send them all the prototype materials and in one day, we send them the materials, they unwrap them, and that's their Christmas, um, getting all the new... And we new. all actually come together on Zoom. We used to congregate pre-COVID. Some, some guys would be here at our office, and the international guys and gals would, would be on Zoom. Uh, but now we're doing it all on Zoom, but it really is just the best day of the year. But in, in one, one day, I could get feedback from New Zealand Sweden, Norway, nice. UK, Canada, America, on Russia, who the competitors over. are, mm. what the pricing is in each territory, um, and you know, is there a naming strategy issue? Is the product right for market? Do we have the color range defined correctly? You know, until we really started working heavily with the states, we didn't realize the importance of purple, for example. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever we develop a new material, purple is one of the first purple. colors we look for the uh, US market. You know, <laughs> so um, uh, our Fly Jam event is fantastic because that provides the second stage feedback and people will look at it. And sometimes uh, the team will say, no, back to the drawing board. You know, and literally it's a, a proper development process, very unlike the fly fishing industry. But coming from a computer background, you know, you, you do your R&D, you do your prototypes, you do your testing with users, then you release a product. And that's exactly the, the process that Semperfly goes through. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. The purple, obviously. Yeah, that is a... And the Fly Jam, that's a good name, too. It's kind of like it reminds me of Space Jam, right? The back in the... the old uh, well, there's a story behind it, actually. Yeah. The, the name of Fly Jam is, is, is my baby. Um, uh-huh. Uh, Andy and I have been married actually next year for 40 years. Wow. Oh, dear. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I best get a card, please. <laughs> we, um, yeah, we have two wonderful grown-up kids, and our son did music college. Uh, so we grew up with a house full of instruments and mm. crazy musicians. And his friends would all congregate around our house for a jam session, which we loved. Mm-hmm. And um, I said to Andy when we were doing Semperfly, I said, you know what we need? I said, like, when Cy and his, well, his pals used to gather at the house and have a jam session, we need all the ties to come together for a jam session, just to share, to chat, to mm-hmm. enjoy all the materials and 
bounce ideas. We we could have a fly jam, and that's where it came from, and it's stuck. I like that. I like it. Yeah, yeah fly jam. So, and I love the pro team. I know that you do that a little bit differently too. How you choose? Um, it's not necessarily like you know, and either of you two choosing, right? You have a process of. That's like right. The group. Describe that. How, how do you how do you choose? You got eighty people out there, and how would somebody that's listening now that maybe they're they're like a rock star fly tire, they're interested. Yeah. You know, how could they get involved? So we have certain criteria that we look for in a team member, and first and foremost is not only have they got to have a wonderful talent for tying, but they've got to be passionate about semperfly and demonstrate that passion to us. And then we like them to be involved in shows and, and be very active on social media and maybe go in stores and things like that. But what happens is people usually email us um, to protires at semperfly.net and put to us why they think they would be welcome on our team and what they can bring to the Semperfly party. Um, because we really are very generous. We, we really do look after our pro team very well. The team themselves call it the Semperfly family. That's their name for it. We're a very close network, despite that we have guys in every corner of the globe. So um, people email us in and then we take them through an application process where they submit samples of their work, um, a bit more about them, their experience, their activities in the, in the fly time world. And once we've got all that information, that then goes before a panel um, it's not down to one person to decide who joins the team. We have an international panel because we recognise that in different parts of the world there'll be many different styles of tying or species that people are fishing for that they need to have their flies for. So we recognise that and we need to reflect that when we're assessing somebody so it's completely fair. So, yeah, we have a panel, go through their application. If somebody's not quite ready yet, we, we give them constructive feedback mm -hmm. and give them some pointers and some help um and we might say to you know come back to us in six months or or a year maybe when you've perhaps considered this but if they're if they're good to go if they are that rock star then we absolutely welcome them on board but you're right it's the rock stars we're looking for yeah that's right at the fly fishing shows you know they would call them the celebrities that's kind of yeah. yes absolutely best, best of breed we want and people we are... that really understand materials um that can showcase and you know uh use our materials for the, for the best benefit of both the uh fly tires out there so they can see how to use why to use the materials and uh, obviously for us it's a, a fantastic r&d resource and uh, marketing resource. But we are so lucky. The people that are on our team, they're just the best. They're the kindest, most generous, most talented people. And, and we love them all. And we're very, very proud. And we want them to be proud to be part of the team and to be proud of the materials that, that they're using. Mm -hmm. And some of those, give us a little rundown just on a few. If you had to, I'm not sure how many are in the US. Well, what's that look like if you had out of the 80? Oh, there's a lot in the States. I'm thinking of Jeff Rowley, Tom Hare, Tim Camisa, Paul Shirtliff, uh, Steve Maldonado. There's dozens that yeah. are in the States. Oh, there's States. lots. Oh, yeah. Eric Sven Diesel, love yep. you a bit. Uh, he's Sontau. Yeah, he does amazing videos. Oh, yeah, yeah th these guys are just the best. We are seriously blessed. That's right. 
That's right. That's perfect. Yeah. And, uh, and Suntel, that's somebody that we haven't had on the podcast yet, but I know he's got a, yeah, he's got a cool uh, following mm-hmm. and a cool story. That's what, one of the things. That, and, and it's interesting because I think his story, actually, I may be wrong in this, but you know, the Semper Fly, I remember when I first heard about you, the name probably only in the U S doesn't really resonate, but the Semper Fly because Semper Fly, right. The Marines that's right. wasn't, wasn't Suntel, <laughs> was Suntel a Marine or a, I know he's in the, the armed forces. He is in the military. Yeah. Um, most definitely, but yeah, uh, the the name Semperfly and Semperfly was it was a conscious choice. Uh, Andy and I are not from a military background ourselves, but we have huge respect for the people in the military, and obviously it means always faithful, always true. And we wanted to demonstrate our loyalty to our military people, but also that we are always faithful, always true to fly fishing and fly tying. It's a passion for us as a brand, obviously. Semper Fly, with its origin, Latin origins in Semper Fly, and the Marines' use of it, it, it very much is uh, helping us in the U.S. market. Yeah, that's what it, it's. I mean, I just would guess that you know, it's, let's say your name isn't Semper Fly. I mean, in the U.S. market, does it is it harder for you to get that you know that good traction? I mean, did it help you kickstart it? I think it certainly helped us. Um, you know, uh, but um, it also hinders in, you know, we'll, we'll have people come online at, um, you know, 11 o'clock at night in the UK and, well, why haven't I got an answer, you know? Um, oh, uh, yeah. right. People think we're an American company. We do have um, worldwide distribution and we have a very proactive American team based in Idaho. Um but obviously the social media responses are, are handled from the UK office. So we do work very late hours, but sometimes because of the time difference, we might have been in the land of nod when people were expecting a response. So gotcha. apologies for that. But um, yeah, we, we do jump on it as, as yeah. quickly as we can the next day. So you're basically you and you guys are doing the actual social media responses directly. Yeah, yeah, we do. They're handled from from here in the UK. Yep, that's something always like, you know, you could, right, eventually uh, have somebody else, right, potentially in the U.S. doing yeah. that, but that's not, I mean, you guys want to keep it in-home, in in-house? Well, no, not necessarily. Uh, we, we're, we're happy to share the love. <laughs> um, we've got, we do have some of our U.S. team actually on the social, our, our administrators for our social media. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, it, it's like everything. They're... Um, busy people so yeah. you know sometimes it, it, it'll be missed overnight um between us going to bed and you know um someone like son disappearing steelhead fishing for the day yep that's right that's right yeah you can't get in the way of the fishing that's the that's the oh, first, no. the first <laughs> thing um nice well we've uh, we've dug into let's keep on the track i guess we had a few materials the one the other one you mentioned that the metal what what so is that we're talking like uh wire wires you, well, we have micro metal and we have wires. We have two different products. The there. wires we have are uh, all non-tarnishing. We do them in 0.1, 0.2, 0.3, and 0.5 mil. So it's everything from your brasses through to microfine dry fi wires. Mm-hmm. And um, what is particularly uh, unique about uh, Semperfly is uh, we're on our fourth generation of machinery. So, for example, our spooling equipment is unique to the industry. 
It's computer programmable, so we can program it for touching terms, whether we're dealing with 24 dernier nano silk, a 0.1, a 0.2, 0.3 or 0.5 mil wire. It will step. I mean, we're talking a machine that spins at 6,000 RPM, and it will step exactly the um, diameter of the material being um, wound and give us touching turns, whatever the material. So, you know, you, you get, whether it be a wire, whether it be a tinsel, whether it be a thread uh, that just doesn't overlap itself. So you don't get halfway down the spool oh. to find it tangled knot. Gotcha. So, you know, we spent a lot of money on uh, both research, again, looking at machinery, getting stuff that would be neat for our purpose. Right. So how do you, where is that wire? If you talk about that process, are you, and are you doing, all, is this all in-house? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we have our own factory team of people that we do our own production, we do our own packaging, we do all our own logistics. Mm-hmm. Um and that way, yeah, the actual wire extrusion, I'll you know, I'll, I'll get those wires extruded, and then I'll just get it tarnished, the non-tarnishing coating and um, spooling done here. Oh. Obviously, the, the raw wire extrusion is um, a very straightforward process, and it's uh, a lot of money, shall we say, for the the copper extrusion. So the extrusion part of it, which is essentially you've got metal and you're creating the Stri- wire, is that it? Yeah, yes, you're you're rolling out to point one, point two, point five. Yeah, and that's something that you're doing at a different location or in house. Yes, no, we're doing that externally, and um, we're we're then doing the tarnishing and wire, non-tarnishing and wiring. Gotcha. Yeah, and we always think about, like you said, the brassies or the common or any of that. Yeah, the wire is used on so many flies. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, again, that's another material. So, so what? So, we got, uh, I think we've got a few here we talked about. You want to give us a few more of your, or any other materials that are popular you want to note here that are kind of that, those synthetic um, substitutes for uh, natural materials? Um, yeah, one of the uh, fun ones is straggle legs. It was an extension to straggle string. You look at um, BBOs, you look at hoppers, you know, you're dealing with a, a, a leggy creature. So, what we did was develop the chenille and put the fibers wider apart than on straggle strings. So it looks like uh, a set of legs. And that's what we do all the time. We're, we're looking at um, how the materials can be used and, um, you know, how we can add value to the, the fly tire. Mm-hmm. And these are... And on the uh, the straggle legs, these would be used for. Are these like not necessarily like rubber legs, but more what what flies they? On no, hockey? no, yeah. these these are actually polyester. So okay. it comes on the ball again, like straggle string. So, very much like a chenille. Oh, okay. So you, and you'd use this to you could use it for legs or to wrap as like body material. Just use it as a body material or wrap it just around the thorax to look like legs of a fly. Oh yeah, yeah, the legs. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So these are not I've necessarily. Seen them. Yeah. A fantastic beetle done. Yeah. Paul Proctor does an amazing beetle using the black um, straggle legs, and it's just incredible, but so quick and easy to do. Perfect. All right, yeah, I think I got you on that. So so we got the straggle legs, and um, and what else are we missing here? You want to round this out with a, f- a few um, more? Anything else? Yeah, probably uh, one, one worthy of mention is the um, perfect quills, and we're dealing with a transparent V-shaped uh, sheet, 
Uh, it's 100 mils long, and different um, widths on the thickest part of the triangle. Um, a lot of companies have made coloured quills as alternative for um, strip quills. Mm-hmm. We took a different approach. We went for a clear sheet because you could use an underbody, for example. You could use our fluorescent um, wax thread as an underbody, wrap over the perfect quill, and, of course, the fluorescent underthread shows through. You've still got then that nice hardback uh, shell for you know your, your, your invertebrates. So, again, it's all about doing things a little differently rather than producing... You know, ten different colours of quills. Yep. Simple one quill and change the underbody, and you've got as many variations as you like. Amazing! Yeah, I love that. So basically, it's a a clear quill. So I mean, was there yeah. a clear quill on the market until this? There was. Um, I'd seen one other. Yeah, um, I, don't I don't remember ever seeing that. Yeah, they're always either white or black or or whatever. Yeah, and that was the problem. They they. They were always of, uh, you know, pre-coloured, whereas, you know, you're tying a Riacophilia, you're tying a, um, a Chronomid, actually, you, you can choose your underbody and do multicoloured underbodies. Today's episode is sponsored by Bear Vault, keeping wild adventure going and assuring your next backcountry trip stays memorable, safe and clean. Bear Vault builds a rugged polycarbonate locking canister that keeps bears and other critters out of your food. This keeps you safe, keeps the bears safe, and keeps everyone safe. Bear Vault also recently, they've had, uh, when we started, they had two sizes, kind of a small size and an extra large size. And now they got a couple of extra uh, sizes, two more, one super small that kind of goes with you. Uh, as I was talking to uh, Grant and the crew last time, um, I'm realizing that I think a lot of people are realizing um, that uh, this is not just for your overnight backpack trips, but if you're heading into the woods, into a national park, uh, this is something you pretty much have to have. And part of it is saving the bears because leaving one whatever um, out there in the woods, not bringing your stuff back can be the end of the life for that bear. So this is what we said at the top of the hour. Uh, keep the bears safe, keep you safe, and, uh, and Bear Vault is one way to accomplish that. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash bearvault, B-E-A-R-V-A-U-L-T, to check out them and to support this podcast with one easy click. Okay, back to the show. So I think we have a good list of a few things to dig in. It sounds like... You probably have some other stuff, you know, coming out too uh, this year. I had a couple of, um, you know, one of them was on. I, I heard about this. I can't remember where, but they talked about the uh, the Queen's Award. Can you can you describe that a little bit? I, I'm not oh, sure. Oh yeah. yes, we're still in the glow of that. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, when we were at IFTD, the first day of the show, we woke up to an email, and the email said, uh, "We are delighted to inform you that Her Majesty the Queen." has signed off the Prime Minister's recommendation that your company be honoured with a Queen's Award for Enterprise for International Trade. And at that point, wow. I think our knees started knocking. And, uh, but the thing was, we couldn't tell anybody. We were under a strict embargo uh, until the official launch date. So oh, we couldn't right. actually right. tell anybody. So we had to go through IFTD, like, I don't know, trying not to <laughs> spill the beans. 
which was pretty hard. Um, yeah. So this is the highest honour a company here can get. It's the ultimate um, award. And basically, we are allowed to carry a particular emblem for this award. For five years, we can fly a flag outside the offices. Wow. Uh, we put the emblem on all our product collateral, etc. And it was just over a week ago now that we went to Buckingham Palace uh, for a reception with Prince Charles and, and Princess Anne in celebration of, of our award. And in a few weeks' time, we will receive our charter and our actual prize, which will be brought to us at, at our premises. And it is something that we are hugely proud of and uh, very, very, very excited. And indeed, Prince Charles is a fly angler. Mm. Oh, so, he is. Yeah, he is. Uh, See, there you go. Like, you just you just lined up our one of our next guests. We're going to have to work on. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing, I mean, wouldn't it? The nice nice thing was that you know we are only the second company fly fishing company to ever get this award in all the years it's been running, and the last company was, I believe, in the nineteen eighties. Um, so to get that award was significant, and to get it, you have to have. Um, uh, a significant six-figure uh, export. Mm. Um, you have to show continuous growth. You can't, you know, uh, lose money. You've got to be making continuous profits, and you've got to, uh, um, you know, uh, then be fully audited. And with ninety-three percent of our products being exported worldwide, you know, um, we qualified. We qualified on the volume and the growth we've been going through. Uh, so for us, it was just fantastic to be recognised outside the industry. And we hope it gives our followers and our clients reassurance of us as a, as a company. Um, because as Andy said, to go through this process, it takes nearly a year and you have to go through quite a strict audit process. Um, so we're passionate about fly fishing and, and tying, but at the end of the day, we've been checked out and authorised and approved, as it were, by the highest authority in our land and, and presented with this award. So, again, we just hope it gives people confidence in yeah. this, really. Millions of companies in the UK, there were uh, just over 100 won the award. Wow. What is that? So when you went into, I'm not sure if you've been to Buckingham Palace before, what did that feel like when you went into there? It was pretty amazing. Um uh, you obviously are security vetted before you go. You get to the gates. Unfortunately, because of COVID, they only allow one person. So we drew straws. We, uh, you know, drew a straw to see which one of us went. And I won. Um, so you, you go to the gates. You see the armed police. They check your ID. They check your photo ID. And your invitation, because you get a beautiful gilt invitation. Um, you go into the Buckingham Palace itself, and um, you're not allowed to take cameras, recording equipment. So you go to cloakrooms, you put your phone in a beautiful Buckingham Palace carrier bag. <laughs> um, you, you then go up to a huge uh, reception room which uh, there are two rooms. One overlooks the palace gardens. And in the room, there are probably about 300 people. 
because not only are the you know hundred or so award winners there, but you've got uh, members of parliament. Mm. The Queen has official representatives called Lord Lieutenants in uh, different counties through the uh, UK. So the Lord Lieutenants, the Queen's representatives are there, as well as the Queen's Ward Office. And so you walk in, you've got the butlers scurrying about with uh, drinks and um, aperitifs, and then you suddenly see, you know... um, uh, Princess Anne had been at um, Harrogate some, you know, four hours away by car. Uh, she was down and Prince Charles working both sides of the room, uh, coming down and seeing everyone, saying hello. Uh, I was very lucky and Anne had arranged um, from Todd Kennedy in Canada a fishing fly brooch with our materials on. And Prince Charles being a, a fly fisherman saw the brooch and, of course, was, uh, in, oh, fly fishing. Hmm. So I was able to say, yes, sir, you know, this is why we won the award for uh, manufacture of materials that we sell all around the world. So, uh, you know, got to chat to Prince Charles shook for a few hand. minutes, yeah. shook the wow. hand. And, uh, yeah. yeah, then. It was a red letter day. Yeah. No kidding. Amazing. Absolutely, you know, astounding. And then after we left the palace i was i was waiting outside uh, we went for a few cocktails for some reason <laughs> no kidding yeah you got to celebrate yeah. that that's yeah. wow what a story so you basically yeah. had the ultimate not only won the ultimate award but were able to literally shake the hand of you know yeah. <laughs> Prince charles and king yeah yeah absolutely and you know you know semperfly did start humbly and it's grown and grown and it has a great following and people that we work with in the company, our pro team and all the people around the world, our clients and our followers that have helped make this happen. You know, uh, there was a lot of love in the room that day and we're, we're just hugely grateful to everybody that have, have helped us on this journey. Yeah, that is cool. It feels a little like, uh, I mean, it's probably like a lot of businesses, even like this podcast, you know, I mean, everybody listening is what's built this show. You know what I mean? And, and it's, mm. uh, it's kind of the same thing. It's, I always feel like it's that community, right? I always ask them, you know, some of the questions today came from our listeners, right? They, yeah. they wanted to know. And, and a lot of the listeners use your stuff. So that's why, you know, that's part of the reason, but I love the business thing. Cause you won this award, which is like a hundred companies out of, you know, the millions in the, you know, around the UK. What, because we have a lot of businesses, a lot of companies <clears throat> that listen uh, to this show. What, what would you, if you had to give them a business tip, what would you say you've obviously found a lot of success? What would be one tip you'd give those companies listening, whether smaller or larger? Uh, sum it up, be innovative, be unique, and make sure you've got your supply chain sorted. Mm-hmm. It really is straightforward. If you're innovative, you're unique, You, with the right marketing, will get people to see you. And then, as well as seeing you, you've got to be able to meet the demand, regardless of how slow or fast it grows. And from me, um, I said, believe in yourself as well. You know what your ultimate goal is. And, you know, you you can believe in this. You you can make this happen. It might get a bit bumpy sometimes along Mm -hmm. the road. But if if you stick to your goals, you'll get there and you learn along the way. And you can have a lot of fun at the same time because we have met some amazing people Mm -hmm. on this journey. Mm -hmm. And change a day of it for anything it's it's then simple it's planning and processing 
yeah, planning and being strategic about it. And yeah, that sounds yep. really cool. And, and so you've had some bumpy, give us a little, uh, feedback in that. It sounds like you've had obviously a lot of success. What, what's one of those bumps in the road you've run into and, and how, how have you been able to get over it? Um, hey, managing growth is the mm-hmm. biggest one. I mean, uh, when, when you're feeding 35 mouths and, uh, you've, you've got, um, the level of orders coming in, you are constantly looking at for example your manufacturing and what you're looking at is you know every single process so you know uh, um I, I was concerned about the speed of labeling um and the quality of labeling mm-hmm. many you know years ago we were using paper labels and the glue was coming off um, and we've seen it from other uh, other suppliers in the market yep. where you go into a shop and you don't know what the product is because the label's fallen off. So us being us, we spent three months looking at um, different adhesives for labels and different label types and applicators. So we had a company develop a bespoke machine for us that would uh, auto-feed labels, all computer printed, so we say we want, you know, 5,000, straggle legs black on this manufacturing run and it just literally will um cue them out we actually went out looked at the glues and found a glue that would work and stick underwater for three months and oh, wow. used, you know um oil rigs and on uh, products that were put underwater so with a, a plastic label, we were able to get a label that we could print on. It would stick, uh, and basically the glue gets stronger and stronger over 24 hours to the stage where you, you just can't get the label off. Um, and then even then we weren't happy. What we realized was it took about one and a half seconds for the label applicator to move from its top position to pushing the label onto the spool and actually by a simple redesign altering the height at which uh, the label had to drop we were able to speed it up by almost uh, half a second you know which doesn't sound much but all yep. these were huge efficiency yeah you look at the overall picture we've gone from labels that you know were coming off like a lot of other companies, to labels that just won't come off, um, bespokely designed, you know, you you get a, a regular bobbin, you can read all the labels, see yeah. what's, what, what uh, dernier right. the material is, what the colour is, and it's daft things like that that are the sort of hurdles that we've, we've had to overcome. I was thinking about when uh, we actually built our offices ourselves, uh, premises that we're in now we've actually outgrown it we are about to move again in a couple of months time but um, when we built that do you remember the challenges of of getting all that done and then somebody who i'm sitting next to had a fall and uh, shattered his shoulder oh wow terrible accident during the build but it was a case of um keep going (laughs) yeah just on in there just keep chugging and you'll get it done Uh, and, and adapting to uh, or, or one-handed just... typing for the two months <laughs> no kidding yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool so you redid your whole the old office uh, on your own yeah oh yeah we've built it from from the ground up ourselves and 
it was a, a major project. But as I said, we've outgrown it now. So we're moving again um, this autumn. So, uh, yeah. But that's just to help us with that, that managed growth that Andy was talking about. There you go. Well, there's probably, I, yeah, I probably have a bunch of business questions I could ask you. Maybe we'll leave that for a, another conversation. It's always, mm. yeah, it's always interesting. You know, it's just like even like the hiring, right? Like when do you, you know, how do you know when to hire your next and who who that person is, right? That's, I'm sure you have a strategy for that. Kissing um, the frogs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're very lucky. We've got, we've got a great team and um, it's about spotting a spark in somebody, I think. You know mm. that they're, that they'll fit in. It's not just about what says on their CV. It's do they have that kind of positive attitude? Will they help out, muck in, and uh-huh. uh, and just believe in the, the the same vision that we have? And uh, we've been so blessed again. Yeah. Do you guys look at any companies around the world or in your you know your country? They're like, oh, these are maybe even bigger companies. They're doing great things that you look at as kind of mentors or any templates. Are you guys just kind of doing your own thing and just doing what works? We've, we joke, we call ourselves Mavericks um, because we've never been a standard part of the fishing industry. We've always done our own thing and mm-hmm. believed in ourselves. And I think that has been, you know, one of the, the things, you know, not being a sheep and just yeah. following, doing, doing your own thing. But what we've done, because we've, you know, run successful businesses previously, We've actually um, uh, taken on a lot of advice. We've got a lot of um, government support, for example, with um, uh, fast growth programs. Because hemp fly is growing so quickly, we've been blessed having uh, local government put in support, um, consultants that can actually help us analyze the business. Oh, that's great. And stop us looking at the wood but to look at each tree individually. And that has been really, really good. Um, so, you know, we, we've set a vision and then rather than try and, you know, uh, follow other people, uh, decided on our own path and had experts from outside come in and just help Anne, myself and our management team um, look at what the goals are and how we're going to achieve them. Wow. And, and is that something a program that's part of like a uh, just a government program that's free or it yeah. sounds yeah yeah wow. it's yeah. a it's a there's program a that different yeah, there's... initiatives depending on, yeah. on your needs there's manufacturing programs there's business mentoring programs mm-hmm. there's a whole host of different things in fact the meeting just now before we spoke to you was was with one of the advisors and they just check in how are you doing uh, are you aware that there's different programs coming out that we can help you with. Uh, it's it's a fantastic resource. It yeah. really. And every three years we do a new um, three year vision, and we work with a, a, a group of consultants from a, a, one of their fast growth programs, government run, and they help us rationalise our business plan for the next three years, and then every year we write a new business plan for that year. Um, it helps focus our minds, it, it, doesn't it? It makes mm. you focus. You know, what are the issues? So you look at IFTD, for us it was superb. You know, we at Christmas, uh, when we we went through the business plan for this year, said, you know, actually we can see a problem with the the space we have um, that we may have to move to a two-shift system. 
instead of working from 8 till 5 p.m., we're going to run from 8 till 10. And literally, we came away from IFTD, and it was already in the plan. We are able to just implement. So, good business planning. Mind you, you say, now that, that 10, a, 10 p.m. finish now isn't... <laughs> it's more like a 1 a.m. or even a 3 a.m. Yeah. sometimes, guys. Yeah. They're working seriously hard right now. Yeah, that's right. I hear you. I think that's part of the, the success, right, is just having that yeah. passion. I know we had yeah. uh, Bill Oyster on recently. He's got a really great bamboo fly rod uh, company and shop in the U.S. And same thing. I mean, he was talking about a couple of doing these events and doing all-nighters, like literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? we've done all-nighters. Yeah, you yeah. have too. You've done all-nighters too. Oh, God. yeah, yeah. And our factory I'll, guys, they do it quite often. I'll be honest. I woke up at four this morning. It's now uh, five at night for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What time is it? Is it 5 p.m. right now? Yeah, Yeah, is. for us. Yeah, um, 5 p.m. You know, and I've still got another uh, three or four hours to go today. Yeah. You know, but yeah. you wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it. No, that's it's good to hear because I, I was talking to somebody else. I can't remember. Oh, somebody that was from uh, from Mexico, right? You know, down south. And I was asking him the difference, the big difference between Mexico and the U.S. And he said, um, he's like, man, you know, the biggest difference is, is that we don't work as much as you do. You know, like <laughs> they actually take a lot of time off. And you know, I think Europe maybe has that too. I think that we, you know, the U.S. is definitely we work a lot, right? And I think to our detriment a little bit sometimes. But it sounds like we're not the only ones that are working all the time. I think in the UK, I mean, I don't remember the last time I took a lunch break. I really don't. Um, so we do kind of work through. Mm. But I think in Central Europe, particularly in France, they take nice, leisurely lunch breaks. Yeah, and naps, right? Naps in the yeah. <laughs> in Spain. Yeah, in the hot countries, obviously, they, they take a break early afternoon. Uh, yeah. like so you don't do that? You don't, you're not no, taking breaks? No, no. We start at silly o'clock and we finish at really silly o'clock. And we go... We go straight through. So, yeah, I, I do think in the UK we're very similar to the US yeah. uh, feel for that. You know, we we just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. I guess for yeah. better or worse, we, you know, as long as you're enjoying it, I guess that's the way I see it, you know, and you're, yeah. you're, doing, you're doing good stuff. Uh, my, my, I was going to say, my, it was on the lines of my tip, business tip, is um, something that I didn't implement until later was kind of the quote, invest in yourself. Somebody told me that a long oh, yeah. time ago and they said, and I didn't really, I was always trying to do the free stuff, but here, you know, we don't really have that same program like you, the fast growth product, but we have a lot of companies that, you know, if you pay somebody to be a mentor, to teach you whatever, right, that that's a good way to, and I've found the last three years of doing that is really, you know, just scaled things big time, right? Yeah. And you had to spend, yeah. sometimes you got to spend a lot of money, but you know, I mean, it can get you ahead. So that's one, another tip. Yeah, definitely. Well, sometimes Andy and I uh, will have what we call an away day and we take ourselves out of the office and we might go for a drive. Um, we might take the management team and book a room, you know, hire a meeting room somewhere. Or might and, go and meet one of the consultants. And, and brainstorm or just because once you stay in your own office, it's too easy to get distracted or caught up in different things. But by taking yourself out and away, you get a different perspective and mm -hmm. you have room to breathe and that for us is we try and do that quarterly as a minimum mm -hmm. uh, that's a great one a even great even Randy and i we we had to do a long drive when we were uh, going down to london and we used that time just sitting in the car it was a, a really quiet dedicated space and we covered no end of stuff on that journey yeah 
you know, and and these things really, really make a difference. There's no distractions. You're away from the hustle and bustle, and it, and it's just so therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think those were always the ideas that come for me. That's like when I'm jogging. A lot of times when you're out there, and yeah, you got to do something different. You can't just be stuck in the office. No. Yeah, you get burnout if you're not careful. So it's always good to take some time out and, and give your head some space. That's a good tip as well. Well, I've got the big, uh, the ultimate question here to leave as we start to head out of here. This is, I had, um, you know, Joan Wolf is a big, you know, person here in the U.S. and obviously around the world. And she, uh, every, you know, hundred episodes, I try to bring on a big guest, but I asked her a, uh, well, she actually gave me relationship advice, right? Back when we talked, but I'm curious with you, 40 years, almost of marriage. What's your, yeah. what's your best tip on for get staying together for 40 years? Uh, I do what Anne says. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good start. No, all right. <laughs> well, they do say here, happy wife, happy life. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, That's it. I think it's, oh, for me, it's all about communication. I think it, it's really, really important to always have a good line of communication. And um, if if you actually ask me the thing that I'm personally, outside of work and everything, mm-hmm. that I'm most proud of in my life, um, it's the connection that Andy and I have and that with our grown-up kids their partners and and our grandson and and if you've got those strong foundations anything that happens along the way as long as you can talk about it you can always work it out rather than sit and stew or worry about things get around the table um big pot of coffee or pot of tea and 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 just work it out because at the end of the day we're all good people we we can usually work out anything that needs to be done and that's the same right through business Mm-hmm. you're right yeah instead of the i find sometimes the text messaging and emails can not be the greatest thing right no. sometimes talking or especially in person is way better mm. yeah pick up the phone if if you're not local or just go around and see somebody in it it and and, and hugs are good too hugs are always yeah. good Hugs are good. That's right. There you go. Okay. Well, thanks for that. This is, uh, I think, maybe our second episode with some relationship advice. And I did 40 years is, you know, there's not a lot of people that could say that probably. There's probably a few people listening that have hit that milestone. So, um, well, I cannot, I cannot believe that our son is coming up for 37. I don't know how that happened because I'm sure my 40th was only a couple of years ago. So, yeah, 37. I, I don't know, wow. I don't know how that happened. But uh, anyway, it's been, it's been fantastic talking with you today dave thank yeah. you very much for this wonderful invitation yeah definitely thank you this has been great i i'll, I'll send everybody out to um like we said semperfly.net and then uh, if they have questions for you and yeah we'll just keep in touch with you maybe you know if you get some other stuff coming out in the future we'll, we'll give a shout out here on the podcast and um, yeah looking forward to seeing what else new you have coming and i've been uh, happy to chat with you here for an hour or so and yeah we'll talk to you soon that's fantastic thank you so much and for all the love and support from everybody so there you go. Wetflyswing.com slash 350. If you want to get all the show notes, all the links, check out what Semperfly has going and uh, and get some of our unique videos that we tend to share there. You can go to wetflyswing.com slash 350, 350. Quick listener shout out before we get out of here. Robert Park. Robert Park. He won the uh, Togans, the trivia night. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to Robert. He's got a $100 fly tie-in pack coming to him in the mail. Uh, this is Togan's, what used to be Togan's mystery pack. Um, and he's got a bunch of cool materials coming out from Togan. So Robert, uh, thanks for the support. 
congrats on winning this one and jump in there again because you know we got these giveaways going all all year long all year long we got them going i'd love to hear from you if you get a chance you can uh, send me an email dave at wetfly swing let me know how we are doing i'd love to uh, get a topic on for you if you can you could also dm me on social media uh we're at uh, wetfly swing on uh, instagram at wetfly swing or even on twitter not sure where you're at on Facebook. You can find us out there. One final reminder, final, final reminder, the top fly, I noted this earlier, top fly challenge, a good way to win a box of flies and to put your two cents into what you think the top fly should be. All right. It's time to get out of here. So there is a ton of work left to do. And one of them is doing these intro outros. Um, do you really care if I'm doing these intro outros? Would it be better if I just had a uh, plain recording? Or do you like when I'm kind of riffing and randomly riffing here? Um, because it does take about an hour to do this uh, each episode. So what would that be? If we're at 350 episodes, 350 hours that just for making the intros, what would that be? 24 divided by, divided by into 350? Can you do the math? Can you do the math? Uh, da, 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 four, 12, 14, 14 days, 14 days of intros is what we've done straight. So if we did an intro for 14 days in a row, 24 hours a day, that's how much time I've put in here doing the intros. And actually we've done more than 350 because we've had a lot of bonus episodes. And, uh, so there you go. And, um, that is not a complaint. That's just letting you know that, uh, that there uh, is a little bit of, of uh work going on here so sometimes i guess i'm maybe patting myself on the back uh, i'd love to hear from you let me know um and i hope i hope 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 i can talk to you soon i hope to see you online hope to maybe see you on the water and i hope you are having a good evening a good morning and good afternoon wherever you are in the world and we're out of here Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.